Wednesday, April 29th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined as always by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer, and soon we'll be joined by Indian starting pitcher Adam Pletko, who's uh, on location in Dallas uh, while he's working out in, uh, in isolation. Uh, Hoynesy, uh, you know, just really looking forward to talking to Adam and, and hearing where he is and what he's doing. Uh, it sounds like these Indian starting pitchers have really sort of put together a plan to get themselves ready and in shape to hit the ground running once baseball, you know, hopefully does start back up. Yeah, we heard that from Beaver and uh, Plesak. You know, they they set a sellout date late May, uh, early June uh, to, uh, you know, be ready. That That's their, their spring training report date. You know, in their minds, they're working toward that. And uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, Adam is is right in line with that. Adam had a you know a, a really successful season for you know for where he is within the organization and development wise last year he made 20 starts he went over over 109 innings uh, pitching uh, struck out uh, I believe 78 batters he had one of the lowest walk rates in uh, in the American League for for pitchers with at least 20 starts and he he you know the only the, sort of the only blemish was, uh, you know, a high home run rate. He had a, he, he gave up more than 20, I think 22 home runs on the season. But, you know, just a, in general, all around, a, a really successful season last year. And it sort of propelled him into the beginning of spring training this year where he was, he was, he was pitching really well when things got suspended. Yeah, he's gotten better every year, Joe. It's, he's an interesting guy, a great guy to have on a staff. He can relieve, he can start. But he's out of options, you know. So this is an interesting situation for him uh, and the Indians, and we're going to see where he ends up fitting on this staff. And, and, and you know, he's also a tremendous guy character-wise, I think. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of Major League service time or, or consecutive Major League service time, but he's already started, uh, you know, following in sort of Corey Kluber's footsteps and, and setting up a foundation to do charitable work within, within Cleveland area. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that as well. And, uh, you know, he's a new dad too. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's gotta be plenty of, uh, you know, great stories to, to handle from, uh, from that perspective. So, uh, when we come back, we will be joined by Indians starting pitcher, Adam Pletko here on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. All right. We're joined by Cleveland Indians starting pitcher, Adam Pletko. Uh, Adam, great to talk to you. Uh, just right off the bat, how's it been been going being in isolation uh, with your, your wife and son? Where are you guys at, and, and what have you been up to just uh, during this time since since training camp shut down? Yeah, we're back home in Dallas, as you can – I don't know if this is going to be broadcast or not, but I got a whole big Dallas skyline behind me, which is where we're living in offseason. So um, it's, it's definitely a, a very unique time, but uh, it's been nice to have some extra time with family for sure. Well, you guys are, are Southern California, uh, you know, native. How, how did you wind up in Dallas? What's... So my wife's from Dallas originally. Obviously, I grew up in Southern California and we met at UCLA. Um, but she was following me all over the country, including, uh, you know, these crazy places of Ohio when we were coming from Los Angeles. And um, then we went out to Nightdale, North Carolina. So she said, you know what, we're going to live where I want to live in the off season, And I thought that was a pretty sound argument. Sounds uh, good to me. <laughs> Now, Adam, can you take us? Can you take us through a day, a typical day for you? What you're doing, you know, from you know, just as workouts and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it obviously changes from day to day, um, depending on what my throwing routine and uh, workouts that I need to get done. But 
I get up about 7.30 when my son does and, um, you know, take care of him for most of the morning. And then I have about a two-hour nap time where I start trying to fit as much training and everything as I possibly can in um, and then move on to he wakes up and, and being a dad again. So it's kind of trying to, trying to balance everything as best I can. And um, obviously there's days where it spills past nap time or there's days where I'm throwing bullpens right now in sim games where – um, I take off first thing in the morning kind of thing, but uh, that's prototypical kind of day from get my work in from about 1130 to 130 and, and then uh, become a dad again. We, uh, we talked to uh, Delano DeShields and he's got a, a newborn daughter and mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the, with the coronavirus, with the isolation and with, you know, just being out of a normal routine for what, where you would be right now, normally in the season, uh, it, it, like he mentioned, this is sort of like a once in a lifetime chance to sort of, you know, focus on being a dad. Now you, you get done with your workouts during your day or whatever, but then you've got more time that you wouldn't normally have during the season to sort of uh, be with your, your son. Right. At, and he's, he's how many months old with a uh, Tucker, I believe is his name, right? Yep. He's about a, he's about just over a year and a half. So he's doing a lot of fun things, man. He's, he's really starting to talk. Uh, he's loving throwing the ball to our dog and, and running outside all day long. We can't keep him inside. I mean, like he is out the door first chance he gets to go run outside and play in puddles and you know, do whatever. He's got, you know, baseball kit, golf kit, basketball stuff. So um, he's, he's, an, he's an outside baby, which I'm like sometimes in Dallas this time of year when it's 90 degrees, I'm like, can we hang out in the AC a little bit longer? It would be really nice. Well, it's funny you mentioned he's got baseball and golf. You pushing him towards baseball, or you pushing him towards golf? Golf, one hundred percent. I'd rather be at a country club all day, every day when I'm retired. I don't. I. Don't, I, I love baseball. I want to coach when I'm done. But for him, I, let's let's go golf all day long. <laughs> yeah, where, where are you throwing? Where Where have you been able to work out? And you're throwing sim games already. So is that just part of the progress? You know the. Your, your, the progress in, in your routines? Yep, exactly. So I bought uh, a net and I've been throwing in, in my front yard, which is just right over there. And uh, I'm just set up the net. My neighbors heckle me. It's great. It feels like season <laughs> all over again. And, um, and, and then the sim games, uh, Cameron Rupp, who's in our AAA system right now and was in major league camp with us. He lives about 20 miles north of me and he grew up in this area. So he's got quite a few connections um, as far as uh, private facilities and things like that. So we're being safe. We're, we're taking all the necessary precautions and, and distancing and, you know, uh, making sure that we're being smart about everything. But at the same time, you're only afforded so much time to, uh, to, to take off and, and not be ready. So um, there's, there's definitely some, um, inherent risk that every single player is going to that's they're going to have this year, whether the, whatever the season looks like, you know, I I think that's, we're being discussed all the, all this, where we're going to play and everything like that. But what's not being discussed at the bottom line is the inherent risk that every single player is taking and willing to take. And I'm ready to play 100%, but there is some inherent risk uh, factor, no doubt. You're talking about the virus and catching it and, you know, maybe spreading it to who knows, your family or anybody else, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, I think the last thing players want is inherent risk for any sort of fans. And I'm not saying that I want empty stadiums, but um, we're doing what we can to 
to provide for our families, to um, entertain, to to give some sort of fandom. Um, and I, th- I think that's going by the wayside with some of these talks that Major League Baseball and owners are having is at the end of the day, the risk is all on the player's side. Mm-hmm. Right. Players and coaches and staff, I should say. Right. I, anybody anybody who's on the field or, or dealing with the players back and forth, that's, that's all that they're the ones taking on the risk, not the owners. Uh, you, you mentioned getting heckled while you're doing your workouts and that kind of stuff. It, it's hard, uh, especially when you're working out by yourself to simulate uh, competition or competitiveness, isn't it? It's, it, it's not the same, but uh, you mentioned doing workouts with your, your wife, Allison, who is a competitive gymnast and all that. Do you guys push each other? Or is there, is there any sort of competition there? No, uh, it, it never ends well when we do have competition, like board games and stuff. We it just it never ends well, and she's she's a way better athlete than than I'll ever be. Um, so I I definitely uh, am not trying to compete with her um, in a lot of different ways. But um, she she's helping out. She's throwing balls that I'm throwing in the net back to me, so I don't have to. I got like eight balls that I just cycled back through. So mm-hmm. she's throwing me the eight balls back, so I don't have to go walk back every single time. So. Yeah helping out any way she can for sure yeah you, you don't want to get into a, a a chin-up competition or anything like that with a competitive gymnast that 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 would be bad news yeah no no none of that uh talk a, a little bit about this uh, uh plico family partners this uh, uh non-profit you guys have started and i believe you guys have, have donated some masks and, and you're doing some some work uh for covid relief but then you're also uh, maybe going to change the focus of it or have the, the foundation evolve eventually once we get beyond the pandemic as well? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we were out on a walk and um, I, I always kind of said Corey Kluber's influenced me in a lot of different ways and um, in this way is definitely off the field. And the more I got to thinking about it, his foundation and his um, charity was, was leaving Cleveland and, uh, you know, with spring training and in the midst of all that, you don't really think about that. And then everything kind of stops and it's like, Oh shoot, like that, that isn't going to be directly affecting Cleveland lives anymore. So um, one thing that uh, we wanted to do is not, not by any means pick up his slack because the work that he was doing was great, fantastic. But we wanted to make sure that the city of Cleveland was still getting um, the care and, and then um, the nurturing that I think that we can, potentially provide in, in different ways. And so right now, yeah, it's some COVID relief stuff and uh, we donated masks to, to the national guard and to the food bank of Cleveland. And um, we have some other things in the works with some caregivers at hospitals and um, potentially teachers and, and people that are working at Myers as hard as they can every single day. So um, we're, we're definitely focused right now on um, some of the COVID stuff, but I think in five years, uh, Plecko Family Partners or PFP um, is gonna is gonna look dramatically different. Well, that's great. That's that's really nice, you guys. What thoughtful. Thank uh, you. And you know, you mentioned the influence of Corey Kluber. Uh, just uh, the guys that you're you're in the clubhouse now with. It, it, the the feeling's got to be a little different. Uh, the time you spent with them in spring training and whatnot. Uh, different sort of leaders are, are, are now going to be able to emerge with, you know, Bauer's not there, Kluber's not there. Uh, it's, it's really up to guys like uh, you and, and, and Shane Bieber and Mike Clevenger to, to sort of pick that up and, and carry that forward, correct? Yeah, and 
it's awesome because the example and the culture has been set by uh, exactly the guys you mentioned. And even there's the Josh Tomlins of the world who won't get the recognition and the Dan Oteros of the world who won't get the recognition, but they all set a culture and, and we're not going to try and mimic that culture. We're going to find our way within that culture. But what they created was you need to make sure you're doing your own work every single day. And whenever, you know, your name is called, and it's no days off and it's not, uh, I don't feel great today. So I'm just going to take it easy. Every all 26, I guess now guys, 25 other guys on the roster are depending on you to do your work. And um, I think you saw that at the end of last year, we didn't have the guys that you just mentioned in Kluber and Bauer and 93 win team and uh, competed till the last three days to make a postseason um, uh, wildcard berth. And, uh, it it wasn't easy, but I think we kind of found our culture and our way within uh, what we were doing. Uh, Adam, I, I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw the uh, the the tweet that got sent out. Uh, the cookie sent out the other day. But right now in the in the clubhouse, who's got the best hair, Clevenger or Cookie? <laughs> because Cookie is growing that out underneath the underneath the cap. I don't know what that's going to look like come the season start. Yeah, that, I mean, another great example of a leader. But, yeah, that, that hair is out of control. I take my hat off and, and show you, but I'm scared of, uh, I'm scared of the back. <laughs> Adam, I remember talking to you during the season last year, and you were saying you were, you had kind of you, – you had started pitching up in the, in the strike zone, the high fastball, and that was really working for you. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so um, – by no means am I saying that that exclusively is the reason why I had success. Um, and by no means am I saying every kid out there start pitching at the top of the zone because it's going to be the best thing for you. Um, but for me, with how my fastball um, has a quote-unquote rising effect to it, it plays better for longer periods of time at the top of the strike zone. And you saw that shift dramatically with – a Garrett Cole, for example, when he went from the Pirates to Houston, is he has that rising effect heater, and he started to throw that fastball at the top of the zone, and all of a sudden his strikeout numbers jumped because his curveball was improved off of that, because his slider was improved off of that, and everything kind of um, was more cohesive uh, as a unit. And so um, the pieces are all there. Now it's about making them fit in the puzzle. And I think that more than anything was um, what, what the second half kind of was for me. All of a sudden the pieces started to fit in the puzzle and I started to understand who I was a little bit better. Not that I didn't understand who I was before, but there was a trust factor with, all right, I'm good enough and, and my stuff is good enough. Now I need to put the pieces in the right places. When, when you're able to trust your fastball in, in that way and, and you're able to get it to work off of that and, like you said, you can work the, the curveball off of that. Does that make your curveball better? And, and what improvements did you see in that and, and, and just in a willingness to maybe throw the curveball a little bit more? Totally. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the easy one, right, that everybody sees is a Peter that comes back with a down curveball, and that's a combination that's tried and true and will work through the entirety of how, however long baseball is going to be played. Um, and you're, you're right, 100%. But – I think my throwing in numbers increased, which would help my cutter getting either to a right hand or away. If I'm pounding them in, 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 and all of a sudden their vision shifts over here, 
then now I have the opportunity to go back out over here just because you can change where the eyes are at. And that's, you know, you think about changing um, eyes with, with height, but you can do it with in and out as well. And so all of a sudden we were doing it with up and then we were doing it with down and then we were doing it with in and out. And so um, all, all four of those places made, made me a much tougher pitcher to figure out. Um, and I need to continue to execute so that I can use that up and down and left and right um, plane. How much did Roberto Perez's influence sort of help as well in, in calling those pitches and, and sort of setting those things up uh, as a game progressed? Yeah, I mean, Berto was, was on board right away. Um, and that's, that's a lot coming from a guy who has, I mean, he was having a great season, no doubt, but also has quite a bit of service time and understanding of, of pitching and, and how to call and um, how to call a game. And for him to just be like, yeah, 100%, we're going to do something that's so unconventional and so different than what I'm used to. But yeah, let's go with it. Let's run with it. And, that, and that's fully a testament to him. And that's a testament to our coaches explaining both to me and to him, this is why this is going to work. And we need to take with take it and run with it. And, um, you know, the way I pitched was very different from the way Mike Clever, Clevenger pitched. And that's Roberto's ability to adapt to which guy is in front of him. And, and as you saw, he he got rewarded for that that level of understanding did you does the the way you pitched last year does that play into your you know i i I got into stat cast a little more than i have been but your hard hit velocity dropped from you know two years ago to to last year significantly and i was wondering does that play into it everything like that yeah at at one point i think in the american league i was one of the lowest right-handed um, uh, exit velocities, um, yeah. and, and that, that was right around the, the time that we made the change. And again, it's just an effect. Um, I think the sinker is a really easy effect for everybody to see it. It's visually really appealing when you're watching it on TV to watch the ball just kind of take off downward. But my effect isn't something that you can see with your eyes unless you're in the box as a hitter. I mean, it literally looks like the ball is supposed to be here and it's actually here and the ball just jumps on you. And so, um, and, and hitters just do that naturally. So it's, it's the same idea as a sinker. The ball drops a lot more than what I thought. So, okay. So if we're used to this, now let's take this and turn it on its head and let's get back. And I don't know if that makes any sort of sense, but we've just flipped the strike zone from going, this way to going this way. And so it's, it's, it's the Cody Allen effect. We watched for years, Cody Allen not throw any pitches in the strike zone and he would get swings left and right. He's throwing a fastball that rode up and a curveball that rode down. And so he could not have to be in the strike zone because he used where he could pitch effectively. Uh, just the numbers to just back that up. Uh, 31.7%, the seventh lowest uh, hard hit percentage among AL starting pitchers with a minimum of uh, 300 batted balls against, according to StatCast. Uh, it, it, you'd be able to puff your chest out a little bit when you hear numbers like that after, uh, you know, putting in that hard work and, and seeing it pay off like that. Yeah, exactly. That's um, Those are things that uh, get you excited and, and make you want to get back out there right now and, and prove it again and prove it again and prove it again. 
Um, I think that's that's the mindset of a major league player. You don't do it just one season. You you do it year in and year out, and um, nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's a given. I I could be a starter. I could be a reliever. Um, I could not be with the Indians at all. But I want to go out and I want to prove it again. And I want to do it in 2020. I want to do it in 2021 and beyond because I, I don't know. I'm sick and sadistic that way. Where I want. I want to prove every to everybody and to myself that you know I, I'm good enough to to get outs in the big leagues, and I'm good enough to get outs in the big leagues for a long, long time. With uh, you know the different plans that they've that you've seen and that have been written about, you know, one of them involves Texas, Arizona, and uh, Texas, Arizona, and Florida maybe playing games there. Does that? I mean, you 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 live in Texas. I mean, that would kind of be maybe, you know, pretty ideal for you or does that, what, how do you feel about that? Playing baseball at all in 2020 would be pretty ideal for me. Um, and, and I do think we're getting closer to that happening. Um, obviously if I, if our home stadium's Arlington, then yeah, I live 25 minutes from Arlington and I get to sleep in my own bed for a lot of games out of the year. Like any, anybody who travels for work and then all of a sudden work comes to them, they'd say, yeah, it's pretty nice. So, um, I, I, any any plan, um, you know, I'm willing to play. I'm ready to play. Uh, like I said, I threw a two-inning sim game on last Friday. I'm throwing a, a two-inning sim game again this Friday. So um, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to play. I think at this point in the season, I'd probably have about 40 to 45 innings under my belt, maybe, maybe even more than that. So um, I'm not trying to come into season. Uh, let's, let's just use June 1st, for example. I'm not trying to come in uh, to season June 1st and have zero innings under my belt. I want to make sure that I have 25, 30, 40 innings under my belt on June 1st. That way I can hit the ground running and, and we can get off to a fast start as the Cleveland Indians. And, hey, maybe that's a competitive advantage that we have over everybody else. When, uh, when camp was sort of shut down, uh, you know, you had Clevenger coming back from the knee. You had Cookie dealing with the elbow. You know, assuming that a month or two later, those guys are, are in, in better shape and better position, uh, it sort of changes the look of what a, a rotation might look like. But you're also talking about an unconventional season where you're, you're only playing maybe 110 games and, uh, you know, starters might go different lengths and you might have starters coming in in relief of starters and, and whatnot. Uh, where do you, what's your willingness and where do you see yourself fitting into a rotation that could be, you know, it could be six, a six man rotation. It could be something different. Uh, has, have there been any conversations among uh, the guys on, on the team? You know, do you guys do zoom chats and then talk about that kind of stuff to get yourselves mentally prepared for that? No, I mean, we haven't, we haven't had a lot of conversation about uh, potentially what that might look like. Obviously that's not even for us to decide. Um, anyways, it's, it's ultimately for the front office to decide. And uh, obviously Chris and Mike, I'm sure they've run through every possible scenario with every possible person out there. And, and they're going to come up with a plan that I'm sure is as perfect as it possibly could be, because that's what they do. And they're really, really good at that. Um, so for us as players, I think, we actually have have that luxury to not have to think about that and not have to do that because our front office is so good at, at thinking through everything. Um, so then we get out there and it's, it's, here's the ball, here's the first inning and we're playing uh, the Atlanta Braves today in the central division. So 
um, great. Like, let's, let's go out and let's do this. See, but is, he, is, Cameron Rupp, is Cameron Rupp catching you? Has he caught you much? Yeah, yeah, he's catching me every bullpen. Um, he's he's actually getting worn out pretty good. There's a couple other guys, uh, Chase Anderson with the Blue Jays and and Derek Holland, who's with the Pirates now. And okay. so I think uh, the other day he caught about eight innings worth uh, straight through. <laughs> so he's he's definitely staying in shape. Yeah, he's he's staying in shape for sure. So it's it's been a lot of fun, um, you know, collaborating with with some of these other guys too that I would never normally. Sure. collaborate with and uh i thank you to cameron because he's working his butt off and making sure that we can all stay ready for for this season a couple more uh a, a sort of less baseball related questions but uh have you had a chance to watch the uh, the jordan documentary and are you waiting with bated breath to to see the the terry francona segments in the the jordan uh documentary is he in it uh well, he, he managed jordan in his his baseball mm-hmm. career and that's that's coming up next, so I'm, I've, I've, I've got to guess that you guys are just going to be on the floor when you see uh, a young Terry Francona coaching Michael Jordan around the bases uh, in, in Durham. I just hope there's a little bit of hair somewhere up there. That, that would be nope. great. Nope. It's, it's, it's already gone. It, it, from the clips that I've seen, it's already gone by then. So, uh, yeah. That's, just- I'll tell you, the last dance, the last dance has been incredible. Um, I was fortunate too to play with, uh, or played for Chris Tremmy, who was our AAA manager for years, mm-hmm. who was a catcher on that team, and okay. Mike Barnett was our who's our current replay video replay assistant was a hitting coach on that team. Wow. So I've asked a few I've asked a few questions, and I texted Tito because my son was watching Space Jam or something. So I, I just got to thinking because obviously the start of it is him playing baseball and I texted Tito I'm like man when I see you again you got to tell me some of these stories because I'm sure they're extensive and I'm sure the ones on camera are just half of the ones That's that right. you have about it could could you imagine being Mike Barnett and being Michael Jordan's hitting coach in, in well the- first of all the height difference between <laughs> Mike Barnett and and Michael Jordan alone I mean, you got a guy who's uh I'll be nice to Barney I'll say he's five <laughs> five ten uh, you got a guy who's five ten teaching a guy who's six foot five, six foot six how to hit. Like, there's just going to be an arms and, and limbs difference uh, alone. But leave it to Barney; I'm sure he'll find a way. You're, you're talking about an athlete who has probably one of the most pure and perfect jump shots of all time, and you're trying to teach him a baseball swing. I, I, that's uh, that blow my mind. Just trying to to do that. that, that I'll tell you what, though, the the clips of uh, Jordan's golf swing. It seems like he's a pretty good athlete, no matter what he. He decides to do, and I think his mentality alone will will make him um, the best at whatever he wants to do, no matter what. So, yeah, I'd say he's a pretty fair athlete. You know, six, six rings, two gold medals. Yeah, not bad. Uh, anything else you're watching? I know you're a Game of Thrones fan. Hoynesy's a big Game of Thrones fan. That that's already done. So, you know, we're we're just waiting for the the next uh, the, the the prequel series that's coming out for that. Eventually, we'll get to that. Anything else you're streaming or you've been addicted to uh, as, as, as you've been sort of in isolation? Man, we went through everything. Like <laughs> Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu was pretty good. And uh, we watched, obviously, we watched The Tiger King because we had to watch Tiger King on Netflix like everybody else in the world. Um, uh, we're, we just started uh, the morning show that's on Apple TV+. Yep. Plus. I mean, my, my credit card bill for streaming things is just kind of really monthly subscriptions are going to be through the roof when this is all said and done just because I was like Apple TV plus. Yeah. Right now might as well, might as well get it and try it. 
So yeah, we're, we've watched about, everything. You talk about subscriptions, like Zoom has has saved the world basically by <laughs> by being setting up. You know, just being able to see family members and and, and chat with friends. Uh, you know, throughout that, have you have you had any good uh, Zoom hangouts of, of any kind? I was going to say, I don't think they've uh, they've just saved it. I think they've changed it. I, I think. <laughs> I mean, getting into an economic standpoint, businessmen are going to travel less and less because now this yeah. this works just fine. But um, yeah, I've had some good ones. We've done I've done um, some different interviews with um, some people that have been a lot of fun. Uh, there's going to be a a, um, a pitching uh, Zoom call tonight that uh, I got invited to from a guy named Lance Wheeler. Um, he's a really interesting mind and in, in how uh, pitching mechanics and delivery they all fit together. So I'll hop on that for a little bit tonight and see what he's got to say. And so, yeah, there's, there's been quite a few different, uh, different zoom conferences and, um, you know, even just, uh, uh, FaceTime from Tyler Naquin pretty much every other day, every day, you know, that's been pretty entertaining as well. So he's getting close. He's, he's telling me he's, he's feeling really good. So yeah, you mentioned good news. Well, talk to him and, last week. Cookie. Yeah. So he's, he's doing awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he, he says he's throwing the uh, throwing balls against the brick walls at his uh, uh, apartment complex and, and and annoying the neighbors. But you know, anything like that is is good to hear from Tyler. Uh, well, this, yeah. this has been great, uh, Adam. You know, thanks for for taking the time out to talk to us and, and join us. Uh, really, you know, just continue success and, and and hope you you stay on top of things with the with working out and uh, you know. It sounds like it looks like you're getting sleep with the with the 18 month old. It's not uh, not been a problem, so that's that's good. You're you're ahead of the game there uh, on on a bunch of different fronts. Yeah, he's a he's a champ when it comes to sleep. 12 hours a night, two oh, hour right. naps in the middle of the day. Oh, I mean, 7:30 to 7:30, 11:30 to 1:30. You know where he's going to be if he wakes up in the middle of the night. He just figures it out and puts himself back down. It's it's really tempting my wife and I not to have a second because we're like we can't we can't read yeah this, this, you're this, spoiled this. Yeah. yeah exactly well that's great uh, again uh, thanks for talking and thanks, we'll hook yeah. up with you again when we when we get started back up here hopefully real soon yeah thanks for having me guys good luck.